Equipped. It's an amazing word and could mean success or failure in your life. Could mean that you accomplish the goals that you set out or not. Being equipped is everything and equipped believers understand the manner of their calling, the ministry of their calling, and the maturity of their calling. Are you equipped? Are you equipped? Equipped simply means, Webster's Dictionary says, to supply with necessary items for a particular purpose. Equipped also means to prepare mentally for a particular task or situation. A spiritual definition of equipped would be spiritually equipped, supplied and prepared for God's particular purpose. Yesterday, I, I cooked a, a burrito in the microwave. I have this craving sometimes for Costco frozen burritos that you put in the microwave for two minutes. I know you're judging me, that's okay. But I put this burrito in the microwave and I, I, I put three minutes and I realize when I go to the microwave to take this burrito out that it's, it's kind of exploded a little bit. Like, have you ever done this in the microwave where you put something in for too long and something explodes? Well, my burrito kind of exploded, but that's okay, it's still delicious. So I, I reached in and I pulled the plate with the, with the exploded burrito out. And then I look in the microwave and, and there's an ant in the microwave. Now, if you're eating, you're gonna wanna put down your pancakes right now for a moment. And I look at this ant in the microwave and I take my plate and I put it down and, and then all of a sudden this ant just starts walking towards me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is this like a, a supernatural ant? I mean, he just, he was just in the fire for three minutes and nothing happened. My burrito exploded, but here's this army ant walking toward me. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. And I don't know if you knew this, but ants actually can't be affected by microwave waves because they're too small. And they also have so little water in their bodies that they can't react to the microwave. I had to look that up. You know that, right? I didn't know that. I just want to be honest with you. I had to Google that because I had to know if this is some special ant where he was just like any other ant. No, he was just like any other ant. You cannot actually fry an ant in the microwave. Now, now why would I bring this up You know, at, at 10.30 on a Sunday morning while you're trying to eat your breakfast? Well, the reason is the ant was equipped. The ant was equipped to handle. He didn't know he was going to end up in a microwave. He's just looking for some sugar. He ended up in the microwave somehow. But he was equipped. He had what it was necessary to handle this trial that he went through. And, and there is equipping for you as well, that you would be equipped first in the manner of your calling. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling 
to which you have been called, to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling for which you have been called. See, there is a manner in which to walk. A manner is a way of acting, that there is a particular way for you to walk based on the particular calling that God has on your life. Did you know that you have a worthy calling on your life? I don't mean that everyone is going to be in in full-time ministry in a church setting, but how many know that everybody is called to full-time ministry? All of you are called to full-time ministry, and there is a particular manner in which you are to walk. But see, the way that we define the walk, the journey, will determine the manner in which we walk. The way we define the walk will determine the manner in which we walk. Last week, I I went on my favorite running trail, probably run two to three times a week on the same trail, and as I'm running at a particular pace for a particular purpose, I pass by people on bikes, I pass by people walking, I pass by friends, and I pass by people that are alone. I pass by people that are walking their dog, and I pass by people that are sitting on the bench. We're all on the same path, but we're there for different reasons. We're there for a different purpose. You see, the way that we've defined the walk or the path will determine the manner in which we approach that path. So for me, I'm running as fast as I possibly can without dying because I want to achieve a particular goal. I want to get healthy. I want to continue to run faster and longer, and that's just my own goal. And so when I show up to that path, I'm going, today's the day I'm going to surpass my my last goal. Other people show up to the path. They're not thinking about that at all. They're just, I want to go for a walk. I want to go for a bike ride. And so my my point is this, is how you approach your walk with the Lord, how you approach this, this life, this spiritual life that we are living with the Lord, how you define that walk will determine the manner in which you walk. And Paul says there is a worthy Calling. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul is saying there is a manner that is worthy of the calling on your life, and he says that manner is to walk in the kingdom and glory of God. I mean, pause there for a moment. Like, our lives are supposed to reflect the kingdom of God. But if I just go through the motions or just think that the sum total of my Christian walk is to believe in Jesus. Let me just pause there for a moment because I felt convicted about this. We, we talk about people becoming believers, right? 
And, and belief is the beginning of your Christian walk, but that is not the end of your Christian walk. You were meant to be much more than just a believer in Jesus. That believers are disciples, and disciples follow Jesus, and they act like Jesus, and they live like Jesus. And they approach life differently than those that don't believe in Jesus and are disciples of Jesus. There is a worthy calling on each of our lives, and we need to walk in a manner that is worthy of that calling. I don't mean to be perfect. I don't mean to try to just never ever sin for the rest of your life. Again, that is not the goal. The goal is that you would walk in a manner and you would act like Jesus. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, What is this manner? Well, he describes it this way. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Because you might go, well, what does Paul mean by this manner worthy of? Well, he says it right there. He says humility, uh, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Recently, I read this sad story, but somewhat encouraging story. There's a pastor in Texas. He's leading a church of 11,000 people. And he stepped down recently. He's been pastoring there for 20 years. And he said, I'm, I'm resigning. I'm stepping down because of pride. He said, because of pride and a lack of gentleness for the people. I have never in my life heard of a pastor stepping down from a position leading 11,000 people over 20 years because of pride. And you might be saying, well, why is that encouraging? It's encouraging to me because he obviously woke up and remembered the manner. The manner in which he was supposed to be leading. And he said to the Lord, I'm not being fired. I'm not being told these things. It's me and you, God. Like, let's cut out all of the nonsense. It's me and you, God, and I could just see him sitting there with God, tears coming down his face going, I've made this all about me. And I'll tell you, I have to hand it to this man. I don't know him. I don't know his church. I'm not going to name it. But he stepped down because he forgot the manner he forgot the humility and the gentleness, eager to maintain a, a bond of love and unity in the, in the church, and, he, and he, he took this step. Love and unity are the goals of the church. Love, at bearing with one another in love and maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, these are the goals Paul is saying. And this is really important because before we jump into the, the ministry that I'm gonna talk about in a moment, before we talk about being equipped in the ministry, it's important to understand what is the goal. And the goal, the goal is love and unity. John Maxwell, a, a great leadership kind of guru, says says this, he says, we need to believe in the 101% principle. 
the 101% principle. He says, find 1% that you agree on and put 100% of your effort into that. Unity. Unity. Secondly, we want to be equipped in the ministry. In the ministry. See, Jesus recognized that love and unity require leadership. And so he goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and he, he's talking about Jesus, and he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is uh, called the fivefold ministry. Technically, in the original language, it's four. Um, because actually, pastor and teacher were one. But I think five works. <laughs> five is, these are five distinct expressions of Jesus in leadership in the church today. And they're all important. And I want to say from the outset that unity is not just conformity. Unity is not just conformity. Unity is diversity embraced. Unity is diversity embraced. In Ephesians chapter 4, we have these five diverse expressions of Jesus, and we'll jump right into them. Now, it's important as we look at these to realize that in the Foursquare movement, which we are a part of at Northside Foursquare Church, that we believe Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, why is that important? That is important because the way that Paul describes these ministry gifts of Jesus, which were given to the early church, um, these are meant for today as well because Jesus doesn't change. So if Jesus doesn't change, if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his gifts are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the anointing on our life is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? I can hear you in your house just shouting amen at the TV. I'm with you, church. I'm with you. Okay. So first of all, we have the apostles. The apostles are the foundation of Christ's temple. Elsewhere, Paul says that the apostles and the prophets are the foundation of the church. But these are sent ones. An apostle is a sent one. Actually, this term was also used in the Roman Empire. They would send out apostles. In the Roman Empire, they would send the apostle or the different name for them, but the same concept, they would send them ahead to establish um, the Roman Empire. And so they would come with the culture and, and the, the different beliefs, and they would go and they would establish, kind of like an ambassador would go. But in the Roman Empire, it was for the purpose of expanding the Roman Empire. And so apostles are sent ones, many times missionaries, but the people with an apostolic anointing on their life, they will go somewhere and they will begin to expand the kingdom of God. Often their lives will be marked with signs and wonders. There'll be demonstrative miracles in their life. And, and the apostle really is, as Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus says that, that's an apostolic saying. 
Your will, Lord, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the apostles are very concerned about establishing the kingdom of God wherever they may go. And there is this anointing on their life. Jesus performed 37 miracles that are recorded. Many more, the Bible says, that we don't even know, but 37 that we can count. And so Jesus' ministry was marked with signs and wonders. The work of the early apostles was marked with signs and wonders, with healing and deliverance and many different miracles. (laughs) Throughout the Bible, we see a miracle-working God. So again, back to Hebrews 13, 8, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then his gifts do not change. The signs and wonders do not change. And we expect those things today as well. Apostle. An apostle will be a pioneering type. A pioneering, planting, bridge-building Um, An apostle will be missional in everything that he or she does. There'll be this missional. They're not just, they don't just give to missions, you know, Um, but they'll be missional in everything they do. They'll constantly be thinking about the kingdom and the kingdom. And and I want to ask you this morning, are you, are you an apostle? So as I go through these five, I want you to just think, is this, does this strike a chord with me? Does something inside of me pull? Does something inside of me, the passion inside of me respond to what I'm hearing? Because I'm sure you will throughout the message. Prophets. These, These men and women proclaim God's utterances, usually in two main ways, foretelling and forthtelling. And so a prophet will either speak for God about the future, that's foretelling, or they will speak the message of God for today. That's forth-telling. And so prophets hear what God is saying and speak. But that isn't just it. It's not just a speaking gift, but it's also a gift of discernment. So a, a prophetic person will have a gift of discernment. They will discern things, whether they're in a room during a church service or a worship service or even during a sermon or they're just driving their car throughout their week. They will constantly be tapped into the spiritual realm. They will be hearing things that nobody's hearing. They will be seeing things that nobody's seeing. And they will be constantly discerned. They might walk into a store and, and suddenly feel like anxiety or fear or something come over them. They just kind of pick up what other people um, are going through around them. They're very discerning people. Some of the spiritual gifts we read about in the Bible, like words of knowledge and words of wisdom and discerning of spirits, are all prophetic-type gifts. And so the prophet will see and hear what God is doing. And so if you kind of lean toward prophetic ministry, you know, during worship or during the sermon or just in life, you just might feel the sense that God is doing something. Oh, I can just really feel God's love in the room or I can feel God's peace in the room or or negatively, I just feel like someone's fearful around me or, and these are the prophets. Often they will be dreamers. They will have visions and pictures Their phone will ring in their pocket and they will know who it is before they pick it up. All these different ways. This this might be you and you you can never put language to it, but you might be called to prophetic ministry. 
and about 26% of the Bible is prophecy. So it's not just sort of a side thing, it's over a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Do you lean toward a prophetic ministry? Thirdly, we have the evangelists. These we might be mostly familiar with, but they have a heart for the lost. This doesn't mean that you're preaching the gospel to everyone you meet, but it means that your heart goes out to the lost. It means your heart burns for the lost. Your heart burns for your neighbors and your coworkers and your family that don't know Jesus. And you may not be the boldest person. Don't define evangelist as the one that's preaching on the corner. Determine evangelist and define it in your mind as one who is burdened in their heart for the lost. Uh, Some popular evangelists that we might know are Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke, uh, who've done crusades throughout the world that were evangelists, evangelistic gifting. Now, these men weren't just good at sharing the gospel. There was an anointing of the Holy Spirit on their life. Billy Graham used to draw like 50,000, 60,000 people to come and hear a simple message I'll tell you, if you or I got up there and said that same message, we would not have the same results if the anointing to be an evangelist is not on our lives. Just to give you a little halftime break here, Sonia and I, a couple weeks ago, we were were talking, and this this is diversity embraced. And I was saying to her, Sonia, wouldn't it be amazing if everyone in the church heard God speak? Like, wouldn't it just be amazing for every single person at Northside to hear God speak and be able to share confidently what God is saying to them? And she said, no, that would be a horrible thing. And I'm like, what? You're so not spiritual. And she's like, that means that we're not reaching any, any new people. It means we're not reaching any unbelievers. It means we're not reaching any unsaved people. It means there's nobody in there that needs Jesus. They're all just mature. And I honestly, that never even occurred to me. You see, right there though, you see how that's so diverse. She has more a heart for the lost than I do. I have a more a heart for that discipleship and, and people discerning to hear God speak than I do. But together, isn't it so much more powerful together than just one of those being expressed? They're both necessary. They're both powerful. And that's why Jesus gives us these five. He gives us these five because you'll see at the end of these passages, this is actually the mature way a church should operate. All five. Evangelists cannot live with the fact that people are going to die and not know Jesus. That haunts the evangelist. They wake up every day with this burden for the lost. Don't get me wrong, I I do care about the lost, but I don't wake up every day with this burden for the lost. I actually, I wake up every day with a burden that, that people would hear God speak. Like that, I, I literally carry that around with me. Like, 
But there's others that are so different. Fourthly, shepherds. These are pastors. This is the most misunderstood gift in the entire Bible. And the reason that the pastor-shepherd is so misunderstood is because of the title pastor. The title pastor, all of you think that we are really, really pastoral, but we're not all really, really pastoral. Let me explain it. The pastor is the heart for the people. Not all pastors are pastoral. Most pastors learn to be pastoral, but their hearts don't, aren't burdened with the care for each person and each need. The most pastoral person I know in this church is Pastor Elizabeth. Pastor Elizabeth is so pastoral that she can't even get to the mailbox without writing somebody a card. Like, she picks up cards and flowers and delivers meals and she runs the caring network. And, but she doesn't just run the caring network. She is caring. She is so caring. She thinks of things I could never even imagine. She is the most pastoral person I know. Little words of encouragement, an email here, a meal there. Like, just an unbelievable amount. And the amazing thing, this is how you know that you're a, you're a pastor, You see somebody in the grocery store and your heart just burns for them. Like, it just goes out to them. Somebody in the the church, you know, goes through surgery or something and your heart is just like, oh man, I want to bring them a meal. I want to see how they're doing. I want to follow up with them. And, And not only do you do it out of duty, but you do it because you want to and it burns within you and it's this passion to be pastoral. Pastor Elizabeth is that way. I love her for that. I've learned so much from her about just the way to be more pastoral. But because we call people that are ordained pastors, which the word pastor actually only exists once in the entire Bible, and it's here. In the whole New Testament, it's here. But because we have the title, we we, we misconstrue that they're not the same. Pastoral is that your heart burns for the one. You know how many times Jesus was a pastor? The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, Nicodemus, Lazarus, Mary, Peter. Um, You know, so many times Jesus was walking through a crowd and Jesus just, just hold, let me just stop for the one. The good shepherd, he's gonna leave the 99 for the one. That's the pastor. Shepherd, that's the pastor shepherd. So many times, and and this is the mark of a pastor, honestly, I was thinking about this. The mark of a pastor is someone who will stop for the one, irregardless of the crowd. And I, I've, I've had this experience too where, where God just pastorally just captures my own heart and he's like, no, just forget the stuff for a moment and just turn to the one. Just call the one, text the one, see how the one is doing, follow up on the one. And, and many times God will, will burden me with someone. It's not something every single day, all day long, I'm burning with, but it's something that I feel that pastoral leaning when God just drops a, a name into my head or I remember someone. 
Is this you? Are you deeply moved with compassion for the one? Fifth, the teacher. The teacher gift in Paul's writing is coupled with the pastoral gift, but I see this as a unique calling, a unique gift, and it's clearly seen in the church today. Many pastors in in North America are great teachers. They, They learn copious amounts of information and knowledge, and they convey this to people. And a teacher is burdened with, the verse for the teacher would be like Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And the teacher will just feel this anointing, I've got to just, they have to know more and they pass on information and they practically teach and they teach life principles and they teach you how to have a good marriage and how to be a good father, how to be a good mother and how to do life properly. And, and they, they write books with practical principles and they're not just good teachers, they're also anointed on their teaching. God has anointed them to be teachers. Best teacher I know in my life is Pastor Barry. He's an amazing teacher. He can, he can teach kids, young adults, youth, adults, Young and old with practical messages that we can all learn from with, with pictures and analogies and stories and he's written tons of books and he has the anointing of a teacher. Many people also in our church that I know are great teachers. If you're a great teacher though out there, you know, in the world teaching elementary school and high school and university, did you know that God has this anointing on your life for you to teach the body of Christ too? We think teachers aren't just people that have been trained as teachers. That's what the world says. Yeah, you got an education. Congratulations. But have you ever had a bad teacher? Yep. Have you ever been a bad teacher? Yep. Can you imagine if, as teachers, you responded to another, like, layer of anointing that the Lord has for you to teach God's people? Many of you have. Many of you have taught Sunday school and taught young kids and youth and and, and women and men, and I see it, and I love it, and it's beautiful. And it's it's actually quite demonstrative in Northside, and the reason for that is because of Pastor Barry. You will sit under a leader's teaching that you are drawn to, and so many teachers will be drawn to a teacher anointing. It's amazing. Paul was a gifted teacher. He grew up in rabbinical school. He learned the Torah. He was like the best of the best rabbi student. Jesus was called rabbi. Jesus was called rabbi over 16 times because of his knowledge of the Torah. Jesus was a great teacher, amazing teacher. Equipped in the maturity of your calling. Verse 12, again, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the whole purpose of these five ministry gifts is what? To equip. To equip. It's not so that these five men or women will simply have leadership positions and do these amazing things 
And people observe them and go, wow, they're doing amazing things. The whole point, Paul says, is to equip all of you for the work of ministry. The apostles producing apostles, the prophets producing prophets, the evangelists producing evangelists, the pastors producing pastors, the teachers producing teachers. The whole point of the leadership is that all of the saints would be equipped in the work of ministry. And then he goes on to say, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I know that was a long section of Scripture. There's just no good break in it, and sometimes you just got to finish it. In other words, Paul is saying the whole point of the fivefold ministry is to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry And when the body of Christ is functioning in that role, we will be unified, we will be mature. Unity is diversity embraced. Unity requires intentionality. I'll close with this. Maturity in the body of Christ, maturity is marked by the measure of the fullness of Christ. So maturity is marked by the measure of the fullness of Christ. The, the five-fold ministry is the fullness. It's the fullness of Jesus. Some call these office gifts. Some call these ministry gifts. Some call these the gift of the Son or the gift of Jesus. Whatever you call them, He gave them to the church to unify the church, to mature the church. And when we see them in operation, the fullness of Christ is displayed. But when these are not evident, it's a very clear picture Paul is painting, when these are not evident, the fullness of Christ cannot be seen. Because he is seen when these are expressed, when these diverse, different, very different gifts are expressed. And I see these throughout our church, don't get me wrong. I see these throughout our church, but there's more of you. 
There's more of you. There's some this morning that are like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. I never thought. I never would have. And, and, and I'm praying for you that you would have this kind of awakening in your heart and in your mind that you would go, wow, I am called. But are you equipped? Are you equipped? Are you equipped? 